Libby. And I'm Farron. And this is the tip of the iceberg. Welcome back to the tip of the iceberg. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> Do you feel welcome? I um, feel welcome. Good. Yes. Good. Okay, so here's here's the rundown on what's happening today. We had a podcast planned and we were going to do something different. Yeah, we were going to do something really, really pretty cool. Really cool. But last night, I watched Abducted in Plain Sight and lost my mind. Plans changed. And... Texted Farron maybe literally like 46 times. Yeah, I woke up to a lot of texts. <laughs> yeah, she was sleeping, obviously. Um, obviously because you didn't answer it. Not because right. I assume you're sleeping all the time. Right. I wish I were. Okay. Okay. Um, but it was a lot. Yeah. I don't know if any of you have seen it, um, but we wanted to talk about it. Yeah, we're talking about it today because it's crazy... And there's obviously, for those who have seen it, a lot to be said about how crazy it is. Mm -hmm. Also, it really talks a lot about grooming and predator behavior and a child being abused. abused. And so that's really important um, to talk about. And it's cool because we haven't really talked about child abuse yet. Right, not yet. Um, so spoilers are coming very much if you have it it's only an hour and a half long it's not like a 12 hour docu-series that's going to take up your whole weekend right so if you haven't seen it I would hit pause on this and watch it and then come back because we don't want to ruin it for you yes we'll allow a moment I want you to experience the chaos in real time click off right now right okay okay so now you have all consented for spoilers right and we are just really going to get into this yeah. because Whoa. it's a lot, and also this might be a podcast that is maybe less put together than others because we haven't really processed our thoughts about this. We basically just sat down and we said, we're going to talk about Abducted in Plain Sight. We haven't talked about it together. No. Um, you're going to get a pretty unfiltered view of our thoughts on this. Yeah, because I watched it like a week ago. Libby watched it last night, and I didn't want to talk about it with Libby till she could watch it because I didn't want to ruin it. And by that she means when she said, I don't want to talk about it with Libby until she's watched it, she meant, all I'm going to say is four times a day, have you seen Abducted That's in true. Plain Sight? That's true. I did I did harass Watch you, Abducted in Plain Sight. I did get pretty pushy about it. Yeah, so... Because I wanted to talk about it. Because I needed to process it. Okay, this from you who slept through my 50 billion <laughs> texts last night. I'm so sorry. Uh, but now we're talking about it. Okay, so here we are. Oh, uh, okay. So, Abducted in Plain Sight takes place in Idaho. Yes. With an adorable family, um, the Birch Toll. The, no, the no, Brobergs. The Brobergs. Yes. The Brobergs. And. Family of four. There's another family called the Birch The Birch Tolls. These are the two families involved. Yes. Right. Yes. So, Jan Broberg is in this cute family that lives in Idaho, and she is the survivor that we're going to be talking about today. Right. And coincidentally, there's a lot of secondary trauma in this family, and there's a lot of other people that we suspect have experienced more trauma than 
we could just tell from watching. Yeah, for so sure. So that'll be cool. If you did watch this, um, then it'll be cool to kind of think about how other people in the story are impacted in a different way than, than what's being shown on the documentary. Right. So Jan is 12 years old, um, and this happens in the early 70s. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? I, I think we need to say one more thing. Oh. Well, we need to say 500 more things. But one thing that I do want to start out by saying is all over social media, all over the world right now, is a lot of, I can't believe the parents let this happen. What terrible parents? How crazy is this? And I just, I, I think I want to start out by saying that we are sensitive to how hard child abuse can be in a family. Mm-hmm. So it is very, very difficult to have a family member who has been sexually abused, but also, especially if you're the parent in that household, yeah. right? Because sure. as parents, I'm not a parent, mm-hmm. but I would assume there's a strong, strong, strong feeling like I need to protect my child. Mm-hmm. And when that doesn't happen and it's out of your control, that is an impossible thing to deal with. Yes. I do feel that in this story, um, that might not be the typical experience that parents have with child sexual abuse. There were some turns that these parents took that I would say most other parents have not. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. So I think that um, people's, I think most people are sympathetic and really... Mm -hmm. Um, I really feel badly for parents whose children are victims of sexual abuse because we know that children are usually victims of sexual abuse at the hands of someone that they know, mm-hmm. whether it's a coach. It's somebody trusted, a coach, a teacher, yeah. a family friend, a relative. And so we all can understand the anguish that a family would go through. Yeah, especially because nine times out of ten, as a parent, you have no idea you this don't. is going on. You don't. And then you sit there and second-guess yourself and think, oh my gosh, what did we miss? How could we have not seen this? And there were no clues. And there were no clues. And there were, you know, you had no reason to suspect that your child was being victimized. Right. Right. Um, That's not what happens here. No. So the reason why, and I assume everyone who's listening has seen this. Or, or wants, wants a discussion beforehand. Sure. The reason why people are roasting these parents so much, and I will call it roasting because it's pretty... Roasting and toasting. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. Is because there were a lot of clues, and there were a lot of things that happened that were huge red flags, that the parents admit were huge red flags, and people are just blown away that these parents continued to expose their child to this person and continue to expose themselves to this person, despite the fact that there were so many things that had happened that should have made them go, never again, this person's not coming around anymore. Absolutely not. So people have been very harsh about the Brobergs and have, to the point where they have really felt like they neglected to protect their child. And I'll be honest, like... should, Should have been criminally prosecuted for that. I don't we will start feel out by saying that. that that is wrong no. in this case. Yeah. But I, again, this will be a completely kind of like unfiltered, we're just yeah. sharing our thoughts on this. Yeah. But I really don't want anyone who's been through this experience to think, oh my gosh, Libby 
thinks I'm the worst. No. Or Libby doesn't understand at all. No. I recognize that this is a different story than most others. And I still can feel sympathy for these parents. Even though the whole time I watched this, I was... It was impossible for me to wrap my brain around what I was seeing and hearing yeah. from them. I can I both I had both things happening at the same time. If people haven't seen this yet, at this moment they're probably they're like, What the heck? That's what? how I was. I was seeing all these memes and my sister was talking about it on Facebook and I was like, What the hell? Well what I is, what is so crazy about this? I, watched I had no idea. The first fifteen minutes and right. then I had to turn it off because something happened. I had to do something. And then I watched the next the the rest a couple days later yeah. and so I watched the first t- fifteen minutes and I was like Farron I get it these parents yeah uh, this is a lot like I get what everybody's talking about yeah and Farron was like oh no 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 you don't get you, it you just wait wait it's gonna get worse and I said how oh it gets worse <laughs> and it does oh boy oh boy does it oh. Okay, so should we dive into this? Yeah, okay, so Jan. Okay, so Jan is so sweet. Mm -hmm. These are um, a very, it's a very devout Mormon family. Mm -hmm. And the the Brobergs have three girls. Right. Um, And Jan is 12 years old. Yes. And so the Brobergs meet this family by the name of Birchtold. Birchtold. At church. Yep, they were in... He was in their ward. Right. Yeah. Right. And so Bob Birchtold, who we we will refer to as B, because that's how they refer to him in the documentary. Right. B. B meets this family. He's got five kids and a wife. And he becomes friends with Jan's family. Yeah. And all the kids are friends with all the kids, and the wife is friends with the wife, and the and the husband is friends with the husband. And it's just like the perfect match made in heaven family friend situation right um so they were a really tight-knit community they moved in next door the Birchtolds did to the Brobergs and so you know they were next door neighbors and friends and their kids played together and you know that's normal in America right yeah um and so Jan remembers that there was kind of a best friend for everyone between the two families because the kids were all really close in age mm-hmm. and then the, the mom and dad were close in age with Jan's mom and dad. So the parents were friends. So it was actually like a really great situation right. at first. Um, turns out that B has a very weird obsession with Jan. Mm-hmm. B has kids of his own, Jan has two other siblings, and it gets to the point pretty quickly where B starts focusing a lot of his attention on Jan. Yeah, and I mean, I think it happened very, very quickly, yeah. but I also remember them saying that B would come over, like, every night and play with all the kids. He did. He started, like, he was paying attention to all three girls, Jan, Karen, and Susan, but that he was doting on Jan a lot. Right. And they all considered him kind of like a second dad. Well, and I think... They really loved This him. is... That was weird to me, and of course I knew it was going to be weird, so maybe I was picking things out. But I thought when I was watching this, he has five kids at home. So he's leaving his five kids to go hang out with kids that are not his. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a crappy dad move. Right. Oh, yeah. 
And they thought he was just like, because they're all little kids. Right. So they thought he's just like this really fun guy that's always up for fun games. And he was just really cool. He owned a furniture store. And so at one point, Jan and Karen shared a bedroom in the basement of their house. Mm -hmm. And B built a wall between their rooms to give them each their own room. Because what's every 12-year-old girl's dream but to have her own cool room? Right. But he did that with an agenda. Oh, yeah. To give Jan privacy. Well, and, you know, it takes a long time to build a wall. Late night. Right. Putting in the time. Right. Yeah. Right. And so, at this point, the Brobergs don't realize that Birchtold has already been convicted for child sexual abuse. And he's spent some time in prison. Less than a year. Yeah. At that point. And I think at this point... And he the, had? He had spent time in yes, already? Yes, and that the church had already reprimanded him for his behavior involving um, another young girl. Okay. So they don't know this because he's not from, I think they had just moved there. So he isn't going to tell them this. Right. They didn't it's know. It's not like a first conversation. Well, No, and there wasn't a state or a national I was register. about that. Right. So. And I think at this point, this is a pretty typical... When people experience child sexual abuse in families, it looks kind of like this, right? In that right. there's some weirdness, but a lot of times it is it is normal. You trust this person, not a lot crazy is happening, and you don't know the full story. Right. And if it would have stayed here, I think there would be a lot less roasting and toasting of parents. Right. Yeah, is that fair to say? Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. But it doesn't. No. Um, So prior to everything really going down, which is when Jan's abducted in plain sight, right? That's the name of the show. So prior to her being abducted, we find out that Jan had spent the night at his house on one occasion and remembers that she woke up with her underwear off. and were camping. He was... Okay. Is that right? Uh, Well, I don't know. I don't know. She spent the night with his family. Yeah, I think they were camping. And that she woke up and her underwear were off and he had his hands on her and told her that she was tossing and turning and he was trying to calm her down. Yeah. Because she was like really restless in her sleep. I think they were camping because this was another thing that I thought was very odd is this is when he started taking her on vacations with his family. Yeah, so then he takes her to Seattle. Right, because this was, he invited just Jan to go camping with his family. Right. Which is weird. Yeah, very weird. That is weird. Very weird. Yeah. Um, Because they were all friends. Right. If the, it was the just, other kids were friends too with right. his kids. If it was just like she was best friends with, with the his daughter. daughter. Right. And that makes sense. Different. Yeah. That, that would make I wouldn't sense. bad night at. No. But they were all friends. They were all all friends. And all the kids liked his kids. They were all, like Jan said, there was a best friend for everyone. But she was the only one that got to go camping. Right. And so they go to vacation in Seattle, and then she recalls waking up groggy because it turns out he would drug her all the time and tell her it was allergy medication. Mm -hmm. But she woke up groggy and recalls him standing next to the bed naked. She Mm -hmm. remembers that. So... Well, yeah. And so they were all at dinner, I think is what happened. And she started to act weird and loopy. Yeah. And, and she went to bed. Yeah. And, and he was like, wow, there's something seriously wrong. I'm going to take her back to the room. We need to take care of her. So he yeah. takes her back to the room. That's when she wakes up to find him naked. Right. Walking kind of away from the bed. Right. 
And she's like, I don't really know what's going on. That was weird. Yeah. And then when they come back from vacation, he almost overdoes it with stories of like, it was so weird. The weirdest thing happened. She was completely out of her mind. She wasn't making any sense. Right. To to set in stone that everything she says is going to be like her from a crazy, not in her right mind state because there was something going on with her. Yeah. So before Jan gets kidnapped, probably the biggest bombshell of the whole, one of the biggest bombshells of this whole situation is Birch told starts grooming mom and dad. Oh, yeah. Right? So before he kidnaps Jan, he's flattering the mom all the time and paying her attention. And at one point, he was flirting with her at a church function, and they made out. Mom and mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, the biggest, most shocking thing was that at one point, B meets up with um, Bob. Jan's father. Yep. And he comes to his store. Bob owns a flower shop. Yeah. And B comes to Bob's store and asks him if he wants to go for a drive. Because he's upset. Because he's upset. He's mad at his wife. Yeah. They fought or whatever. Yeah. So they go on a drive and he's telling Bob that he just can't stand his wife anymore. And he tells Bob that he really needs to have sex. And he, like, unzips his pants and basically asks Bob to... Relieve him. Well, he said relieve him. Yeah. That's what Bob said. And Bob does it. Right. So let's just let that <laughs> lie. So at this point, I'm watching this with my mouth hanging open. Yes. Because every indication is that Bob is a heterosexual person in a monogamous relationship. Mm-hmm. He is a Mormon yep. man. And this happens. Well, and the funniest Whoa. The weirdest thing, not funny, I'm not laughing. It's the, ironic. The weirdest thing or weird. is that while Bob, that's the dad's name, right? Yeah. Yeah. While Bob is talking about this, he's saying, he's like, well, it was weird, but I mean, I figured we are friends and maybe. Me, it's what he needed. It's that I can just help him out. Like, it was never, for Bob, it would never, the way it was described, and this might not be what it was. It was not sexual. It was not him. sexual in any way. He's right. just like, okay, I mean, right. you watered my plants when I went out of town. I will right. relieve you. Right. Right. Which, so, which um, most people would not think was harmless or not weird no right no. and I mean I'm thinking about my relationships with with my friends maybe my best friend if we're going for a drive in the in the car they're upset and they tell me this I'm gonna be like hmm yeah I'm not we're not sure that that's the kind of relationship to, that we have well we need to to talk about what right. our relationship looks like right because if this is something that we want to explore, then we're going to need to have a conversation about it. Right. It's not just something like we're sitting in a car. Okay, sure. Why not? Right. Right. So this happens. And in 
like looking forward, B holds this over Bob's head. Yeah, B is basically a genius. B B is doing this to manipulate Bob. B is doing mm-hmm. this because he knows that if he has this dirt on Bob, that he can basically get away with whatever he wants because this is the nineteen seventies Mormon America. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he can blackmail Bob. Rural Idaho. Right. Like, how shameful for this man. Right. To have to be everybody find this out. Yep. So he uses this to blackmail Bob, right, eventually. So going forward, there's a lot of other stuff that happens, but going forward, eventually Jan gets kidnapped by B. B calls Mary Ann, Jan's mom, and says, hey, I want to take Jan horseback riding. And it's a school night, and Mary Ann feels a little bit funny about it because B has made comments to Marianne and Bob about how he's had problems in the past with having an affinity for young girls. I don't think he had said that at that point, though. I thought he had already slept in her bed. No, that was after he came back. Oh, he might have slept in her bed, but I don't think he had said, like, this is what happened to me. They had said before she was kidnapped that they felt like the relationship was very odd. Yes. And they were uncomfortable with... How he was doting on Jan. That they that they do. Okay. I thought it was because he had already explained mm-hmm. that. Okay. So, Marianne's hesitant to let him take Jan horseback riding, but she decides, like, okay, sure. What's the harm in letting Jan go horseback riding? So, he takes Jan. And he said, and she says, be back by the time Bob is home for dinner. Right. Like, a couple hours. That's the rule. Right. You better have her back, B. Right. You, you better, better have, have her back. back. Don't make me wait on dinner. Right. Because I got a Salisbury steak in the oven. That's right. It's and I'm not... Right. Well... Do not mess up my night. We'll be messed up their night. Mm-hmm. And the next 35 days of their life. Very true. Because he gives Jan more allergy pills, right? She's 12. She's got allergies. So he says, here, you need to take allergy pills because we're going to go to a stable and you're going to be like a sneezing mess if you don't take your Claritin. Just like that. Literally, that's what he said. Right. <laughs> So Jan takes her allergy pills, and she says she totally blacks out. Jan does. Yeah, she falls asleep. Yeah. In the car, on the way to the stables. Right. Do you want to take it from here? Because I'm blanking on what happens next, because it's been a week. Yeah. Okay. Because this is where it gets real. Okay. Like, it has been real, and... But it gets realer. Yeah, and... More real. He, up until this point, he has been molesting Jan. Yeah. 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 But this is where things take a great psycho turn. Yeah. Okay. So um, he, the way they do time in the documentary, because they don't want to like, they want to keep you at the edge of your seat, is they tell this like from the parents' perspective first, and then they tell you what actually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but what mom and dad are saying is, is they are worried. They are worried, but they're not too worried. Right. Because they know B. B's a family friend. And although this is really weird, it's weird to go horseback riding and not come back. Maybe their car broke down. Yeah. Maybe. And, I mean, these are rational thoughts they would have, right? Right. Right. And the mom just says, I know he wouldn't hurt her. Mm-hmm. And so maybe... Maybe their car broke down. Right. Maybe who knows Maybe it's, like, totally explainable. Yeah. It's definitely not that he kidnapped her. No. And flew away. Yes. Or drove away. No, no, no. Right. So, um, they wait to call law enforcement 
for a very long time. Five days. Five days. Five days. And they almost call in the middle of that, but the office is closed over the weekend, and there's a message that says, like, if you have an emergency, call this other number. And she completely second-guessed herself, and she's like, okay, this is not an emergency. Calm down. This is you being paranoid. I don't want to get everyone in a tizzy. That's right. This is not that big of a deal. So they waited five days before they contacted the FBI. So... In the five days. Yeah. This is what happens. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they, so B breaks out the window of the car that he was driving. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. To make it look like. To make it look like something had gone awry. Yeah. So he breaks out the window. He puts some blood on the seat um, to kind of fake a. Stage a crime scene. Yeah. 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 So, you know, less shade is on him. Right. So he takes um he takes jam and they go to his motor home right because he's got this motor home and it is the most constant thing in the story i feel like all the time he's in the motor home yeah you feel like? yeah and the motor home was in storage yeah so nobody so knew about the motor nobody home. knew i mean the family knew but nobody knew yeah. about this motor home yeah, yeah yeah so jam wakes up and she is strapped down right in the back of the motor home she has like leather bands or something yep and there's this little um, white box. Mm-hmm. And she's super groggy because I think this was a new level of allergy medication. Yeah. Or drugging than she's had before. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like in and out. Yeah. And she remembers this white box. And I assume it's kind of like a tape recorder or like yeah, an intercom. Yeah, like an old tape player. Like an intercom. intercom something yeah. that looks very old. Yeah. In the 70s. Yeah. Um, and so when she kind of comes out of it a little bit, the tape recorder or the intercom starts playing and it informs her that she is half alien Mm -hmm. and that her mom is her real mom, but her dad is an alien Mm -hmm. and she has been selected for a mission Mm -hmm. and she has to become pregnant by the age of 16. Right. And there's another man that has been selected and that is the man that will help her fulfill this mission and the earth depends on it yeah and not only will the earth i don't know crumble or whatever implode yeah there'll be there'll be dire consequences for all of earth's citizens if this mission isn't met but if she is unable to complete the mission for whatever reason her sister will be taken because Mm -hmm. her sister is half alien as well Mm mm-hmm so if she is unable to do this, they will get rid of her mm-hmm. and bring her sister in here. And her other sister will go blind. Right. And they'll kill her dad. Yes. That's what the, what are their names? Zeta and Zethra. Zeta and Zethra are these voices mm-hmm. on the tape recorder that are telling Jan all this. Yes. So my question, and we're going to get, we're going to keep going because I know everyone's invested at this point. But my question is, who... Who did they cast yeah. as Zeta? Who are Zeta and Zethra? Right, like Where they're playing me. Find these two. That's that's my question. Like, who did these voices? Are they like drama students at the local community college? Or did he or? use one of those voice changing things? Did they have those in seventy four? Bloop bloop bloop! I am Zeta. I don't know, but I love the name Zeta. <laughs> I did it obviously. You did a really good job. Thank you. You're or maybe you know he has such a good relationship with Bob. Bob's helped helped him in the past with everything he could he could need. Maybe he said that he was working on a sci-fi 
movie. Maybe so. So maybe Bob is, is Zeta or Zethra. Maybe you never ever find out who they are. No. 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 Who's to say? Yeah. Anyway, so she is freaked out and yeah. she believes it 100%. Yeah, she's like, oh my because she's, she's 12 years old. She's 12 years old. She's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. She's groggy. She's strapped down to a bed. None, none of this makes sense. Yeah. She's like, okay. This is what it is. Yeah. So she goes out into the main area. Well, also... If we are Zeta and Zetra, do we feel that our alien budget is better than an RV in the middle of the woods? I would hope. I'm pissed if I'm an alien and this is what I, I think get so. in I an mean, old motor home. As an event planner, yeah. there are some issues here. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Right. Also, not I, I expect at least an Airstream. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, something yeah. a little swankier. I mean... If I'm an alien. The Earth is ending. Yeah. One person can save it. Yeah. And what do they get? A motorhome? Yeah, like an old piece of shit. You'd think they'd invest a little more in Yeah, this. you would think so. Or maybe Zeta and Zephyr just don't care about the Earth. Maybe not. They probably don't. So, Jan leaves the back room. Right. And she comes out, and she sees B on the couch, passed out. Yep. He looks like he had been hurt. Air quotes. I'm doing air quotes. He's yeah. passed out. Right. And she said that she knew immediately this is the man, and she was relieved. She's like, thank heavens, it's someone I know, someone I trust. Yeah. This is a crappy situation, but at least, at least I know this guy, yeah. and I know him. He's like a dad to her. He, yeah. Yeah. I know that he will keep me safe. Yep. From Zeta and Zethra. Sure. Or from Earth's impending doom. Whatever. Yeah. This I can handle. Right. So she shakes him, wakes him up. He's got, like, blood on him. Yeah. And in the the movie, his uh, knuckles are bloody. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, which I guess is from punching out the car window. That's what I thought too. Yeah. But in the moment, I was like, what did he get? In a, does he want her to believe like he got in a fist he, fight yeah. with Zeta and Zethra? Must like he went down I think swinging. That's what she, yeah, and I think that's what she thought. Zethra's got he got was, a like, shiny. attacked. Yeah, Zethra got got it. Yeah, Zethra learned. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But okay. she like shakes him, wakes him up, and she's like, "Be, this is what's wrong. happening. This is crazy. We have a mission. We have to do it." Yeah. And we are the only people that can do it. And he says, okay. Right. Because he's not, the aliens are just talking to Jan. Right. Not B. Because there's no, there's no like small white microwave that speaks alien near him. No. Just, just her. Just Jan. Yeah. Which, you know, again, when we're coordinating, um, like a community saving program right we want to leave it in the hands of the 12 year old rather than the 40 plus year old right so from zeta's perspective which i'm just very much identifying with right now i guess yeah this makes sense yeah sure right right so b long story short he sexually assaults jan Mm -hmm. multiple times and it's over like over the course of days and days like a sick genius yeah because he like lets it build and, and then eventually Zeta and Zetra come across the microwave and say, it's time. Yeah. It's time to do what makes people happy. Yes. That's the term. I forgot about that. Yep. That's the terms that were used. Yeah. Yeah. So they do. Yeah. And Jan is just confused, but feels like, okay, if this is my mission in life, it's really important. So we all I'll do sacrifices. this. Right. Right. 
So basically, a while later, like 30 days into this whole thing, B calls his brother Joe. And B asks Joe to get a hold of Marianne and Bob Broberg, Jan's parents, to ask them or to tell them that he needs their permission to marry Jan because they're in Mexico and they got married because the legal age to get married in Mexico is 12. This is in the 70s. I don't know what it is now, but wow, Uh that's crazy. But in Idaho, their marriage would not be legal unless the Brobergs consented to that. And I think it's important to note here that he got special permission from Zeta and Zethra to use a telephone. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So Joe, Joe goes, well, my brother's always been a pervert. My favorite part of the in whole the, thing. In the documentary. It's like a picture of, um, of, B. of B, and he looks like a straight-up dope. And then it's just, it's zooming in on this picture and you just hear Joe, you hear Joe say, my brother's always been a sexual pervert. <laughs> yeah. And I lost it. <laughs> the best part. Okay. So Joe immediately calls the FBI. Yeah. Because like, Joe's no. like, uh, excuse me. No. no so no, Joe wait. calls the FBI and enlists the FBI to but find out where Bertrand is. He calls her parents first. Oh, well. I'm just remembering that he called the FBI. Okay, maybe I'm mistaken, but I remember him calling Marianne and Bob. And You're saying, probably not mistaken because you watched it later. You watched it more recently. Or maybe I'm just trying to make it more dramatic than it well, is. No. I don't know. I think you're right. He so did call. So he calls them and he's like, no, I think I'm right. And he says, I just got a call. From B. From B. This is what he says. Um, so... This is where your daughter is. That's my Tuesday. in Mexico. Yeah. What do you want to do? And Marianne's like, well, I'm not giving him permission to marry my daughter. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah, because Bob was like, Bob, the dad, was like, no way. Right. So then Joe calls the cops. But, right, because they don't call anybody. No, Joe does. Yeah. But no, Marianne and... Well, Marianne had... The FBI had already been involved at right, this point. And right. they looking for her. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, they, they're just like, no, thank you. Yeah, no. So then Joe calls the cops. Yeah, so then Joe takes the initiative to, to do Yeah, something. and lets the cops know, lets the FBI know that Birch Told is in Mexico. And the FBI ends up catching up with him and Jan, finding them in this motor home mm-hmm. and taking them into custody. Takes Birch Told to jail. Yep. And they basically take Dan to jail, too, yeah. because they don't have, like, a DFS facility yeah. in this city to take this little girl. So they take her, and she explains how it was really scary. It was, like, dark and cold and nasty, this jail was. Mm-hmm. She was terrified. Right. But they basically take her there while they wait for her parents to get there to get her. Yeah. So while they're waiting, um, B makes some sort of sleuthy deal with one of the prison guards. Does B speak Spanish? Maybe because he, I'm imagining he did his mission in Costa Rica. Sure. You know what I mean? I feel, <laughs> yeah, like, a lot of Mormon, I feel like a lot of Mormon men speak Spanish because they you do their missions. You said that with such assurance. Well, you know what I mean, or Peru. Right. No, I get like, what you're they saying. do their missions in a Spanish-speaking country, right. and then they speak Spanish. I know a lot of Mormon guys that speak Spanish. Right. It's great. I just think it's hilarious you said he did his mission in Costa Rica. <laughs> I don't know. We have Brazil. no proof. I don't we have know. no evidence. Spain, I don't know where he did it. Sure. So maybe he speaks Spanish. So maybe he's, he's a really good mime. Who knows? But he yeah. makes a deal with the prison guard, and he says... Um, 
I guess he, he, the prison guard will get his gold ring if the prison guard brings Jan to him. Right. And it works. Right, so, so of course the prison guard does this. Right, because... Because who wouldn't? Sh- I mean, yeah, it's a gold ring. Sure, yeah. Me, I wouldn't do that. Right. Okay. So, Jan is escorted to B's cell, and he says, I've been in touch with Zeta and Zethra, um, everything's fine. But we have some instructions, and these are the instructions. We can't talk about the mission. We can't talk about being aliens. We, you cannot get close to any other men, but most importantly, your dad. You cannot be close to your dad. You cannot sit close to him. You cannot talk with him. You can, he's out. And although this is a hiccup, this is a bump in our road, if we don't complete this mission, the stakes are the same. The Earth's going to explode or whatever. Your sister's going to get taken to fulfill the mission. And your other sister's going to go blind. And we're going to kill your parents or something. Yeah, Zeta and Zathra will. Yeah. So the stakes are up, but game on still. Yeah. We're still on this mission. He says, tell your parents that I took you on vacation... It went too far. I lost track of time. I accidentally married you. What did he tell her to explain <laughs> about the marriage? Okay. That was not hard. <laughs> I'm just wondering what that. Well, you know, how you you're in that. Mexico. You're drinking pina coladas. Hey, it happens all the time. I think so. Yes, you're parasailing, which she talks a lot about how she parasailed a lot. So you're parasailing. You're you're at the beach. And sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you just get married. married. You get married. It's like going to Vegas. You never know. You might get married. Right. Um, But he says, yeah, we went on vacation, went too far, things went awry, but nothing happened. Right. There was definitely no raping. Tell them. Right. Tell them that. Yes. Okay. So Jan's mom arrives. To Mexico. To Mexico. Her dad does too, um, but she's ignoring her dad, obviously. Yeah. And so they come into the prison and... Uh, Marianne describes just seeing Jan waving her arms up in the air, running to her and saying, nothing happened, nothing happened. Because she's 12. Right. Right. That's just, that's believable. Right. And so Marianne's like, okay, nothing, okay, nothing happened. And sure. Bob is like, why won't my daughter talk to me? And he's real sad that Jan doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, him. like nothing. Even on the plane ride yeah, home. Yeah, like wouldn't even he, hug, She would not sit with him. Wouldn't look at him. Yeah. Like she was serious. She took this literally. Very. So Marianne takes Jan to the family doctor when they get back to the States. Right. And... As you would when your daughter's been kidnapped for 35 days. Right. So they take her to have her checked out. And I think they must have suspected that there was some kind of sexual abuse because they did a pelvic exam. They asked for a pelvic I think that's got to be standard in kidnapping cases, though. I would think the parents could deny it, though. Well, they, I don't know. I don't know. The FBI didn't order this test. Well, they knew they their took, relationship was weird. Yeah. I mean, the FBI, of course, knew that there was sexual molestation happening. Yeah, because the, FBI, that, guy, the FBI guy, guy was like, this guy's a pedophile. Yeah, for sure. So, anyway, they take Jan to the doctor, and the doctor examines Jan and tells mom that Jan's hymen is still intact, which must mean that... There's never been any kind of sexual molestation. No, no untoward sexual contact. Right, because her hymen is still intact. Yep, that's what she said. Luckily, there was no evidence of sexual abuse. Right, which 
I've done enough trainings with forensic examiners mm-hmm. to know that that means nothing. Right. Just let's just say that that yep. means nothing. So people who aren't aware. Yep. That's a lot. Because of a bunk. lot, a lot of a lot of what? Bunk. Bunk. <laughs> a lot of sexual abuse can happen without even penetration. Right. right? And the body is so. The female body is so amazing. I mean, vaginas are meant to mm-hmm. have babies. Right. And so they heal very quickly. Right. And so what I've always heard from forensic examiners is that it's very difficult to really tell mm-hmm. um, unless it's an acute trauma and there's injury. Right. It's difficult to tell if somebody's had sex or not. And that a hymen can be broken from horseback riding. That's right. Or Riding Maybe your bicycle her, or something oh like that. That's why he that said he was going to take her horse back yeah. Oh, my gosh. What a loser. So, anyway, Marianne is trusting that nothing happened because right. the doctor says nothing happened. And she is relieved. Right. So, she's super relieved. Yeah. So, but they still charged him with kidnapping. Yeah. The FBI Because did. he did. Because he did kidnap her. Yeah. So, Marianne, they go home and Jan acts normal. Yep. I mean, it's a little weird, but... She's mostly normal. She just kind of reimmerses herself in her right. little life. Gets back to, to what's going on. Yeah. And so Bob and Marianne are like, great. Moving forward. This never happened. Everything's fine. Yeah. And B's been charged. Right. So on Christmas Eve, B's wife, Gail, because remember, he has a wife and five children, comes over to the... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> What were they doing during these 35 I have days? no idea. Did Gail work? Because he owned a furniture she store. She had to. He owned a firm, but he's gone. Or maybe he's very efficient, which would make sense because he has have all this planned out. And maybe he's yeah. very efficient and that place runs itself. Maybe so. He probably was fine financially. They were probably okay. Yeah. So Gail comes over and basically asks to talk to Bob alone. Mm-hmm. And she goes and talks to Bob alone, and she presents him with some papers to sign that are basically he's agreeing to not participate in the case against B anymore because she blackmailed him. She said that if he did not stop participating in this prosecution and investigation and all this stuff, that they were going to tell everybody about what had happened in the car. Because he was Between a Bob and B, because he was a homosexual, which in 1974, Mormon America mm-hmm. is the worst thing a man could be. Right. To Bob. That's like, he yep. cannot have people know. Yep. So he signs those papers. Yes. And, and Marianne is on board. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Marianne, it's the, the shame of being exposed was far too great. Yep. Well, and she they even could said, not I, handle it. I could never put my husband through that. Right. Or something like that in the movie. I don't know. So they agreed to state that Jan was not taken by force or against her will, nor was she held or confined against her will at any time while in the company of the defendant. Basically, yep. they're saying Jan and B went on a 35-day vacation, yep. and they were okay with it. And they gave him permission. Yep. yep. They gave him permission. And that he had the impression that he had their permission. Yep. According to what they Everybody was on the same page. Right. So after this happens... The Birchtolds move. They move to Ogden. Well, and the FBI agent was pissed. Well, yeah, the FBI agent's pissed. And the FBI is like, well, okay, you don't want to participate. We're still moving forward. Right. Regardless. Because you don't. Because this guy kidnapped your kid and sexually molested her. Right. So then he moves to Ogden. Yeah, he moves to Ogden. 
But he continues to be in touch with Jan and Yeah, Mom. so he's working with his brother selling cars. Right. And we're all very surprised, obviously, that he is charming as all get out and sells a billion cars. Yeah. Maybe that's where all their money's coming from. Maybe. Yeah. So he's continuing to be in touch with Jan and Marianne. Marianne goes out to Ogden, apparently, or down. Is it down from? I don't want to say out. Ogden's down from Idaho. I don't even know what part of Idaho it is. There, I think it's down. Okay. So she goes down to Ogden. I don't know why. I don't know what brought her there, but she went to visit B. That's what brought her there. Oh, so to visit B. I'm pretty sure. Except for Ogden's dope. So is it? Maybe that's. I've never been there. I'm from Ogden and I love Ogden. Oh. Okay. So maybe that's maybe what she went there to eat great food. And Libby lives there. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, she ends up in Ogden visiting B, and B and Marianne have sex. Ooh. So let's just review what I just said. Mm-hmm. Marianne has sexual intercourse with the man who kidnapped her 12-year-old daughter. And married her. And married her. Yeah. In Mexico. Also, you're forgetting... I don't know why I thought this was funny, but in the movie, it wasn't... The way she described their um, steamy interaction Uh was... Yeah, she got to the point where she had sex, but there was also heavy necking. Heavy necking. Which is important. There was heavy necking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she was smitten um, because she and B had an eight-month affair. She said she loved him. Yeah. She said she was in love with him. Right. Um, and, of course, B is having an affair with Marianne to gain access to Jan. Yeah, so one would argue that B is having an affair with Marianne and Jan at the and, same time. Yep. And, I mean, one could even say Bob. Right. This is That's the text that, that I sent you that I was like, is he having sex with everyone in the family? Or just, right. Right. just some people? Right. Because, yes, he is. Yeah. Um, you know? So, but also at this point too. Sorry, I'm talking no, again. Jan said that she was in love with him as well. Yeah, Jan is in love with him. Yep. So Marianne and Jan are in love with B, uh-huh. and that's where we are. Yep. So during this eight month period, while Marianne and Bob are having or B are having an affair, he is encouraging he's encouraging Marianne to leave Bob and start a new life in Utah. Of course, as he would. Right. And during that period, B visited Jan nine times and spent the night with her twice and continued sexually assaulting her at that point, according to Jan. So, so what happens next makes sense. Yeah. And what that is, is Bob gets wise to this whole thing. Right. And he says, enough is enough. I'm going to get divorced. Yeah. Now, this is what I think is interesting, and it doesn't flat out say this in the movie at all. It just, based on my knowledge of this, I have some assumptions, okay? So, Marianne says that she was served with divorce papers, except for she doesn't say it exactly like that. She says that she was served with papers that meant she had to leave the house. Yeah, she got papers that alleged that she was endangering her children. Yep, and in the documentary, they discuss it and they label it as they were gonna get a divorce. Yep. But based on contextual clues, I think she got a protection order. Yeah, served. She served a protection order. Yeah. I think Bob got a protection order because she was continuously endangering Jan. Jan. 
Yeah. But that's not what it says. That's not what they said no. in the thing, in the documentary. Yeah. Um, so, a lawyer advises Marianne to cut B out of her life and plead her case with her husband yeah. and try to reconcile their relationship, which apparently they did, and they remained married until Bob died in yeah. November. So, Bob is in the documentary but after it was finished, he had passed away. So right. they remained married until then. Yeah. Um, so. So Marianne and Bob are back together. Marianne and Bob are back together. Yep. And living a, a, a love-filled life. In Idaho. Yep. Yeah. And so despite the fact that the Brobergs said that Jan wasn't taken against her will, and despite Bob's blackmailing by Gail, the case moves forward. Because the FBI is like, this is real. We're moving forward. And so he pleads guilty to felony kidnapping in 1976 and was put on five years probation and was sentenced to five years in prison, all suspended except for 45 days. This is my favorite part. And told to report to the jail within three months. Factoring in good behavior, he ended up spending 10 days in jail. We got it. That, that's the best. That's, that's the way to teach that's the kicker. a predator not to prey on kids anymore. Ten days in the slammer. That'll do it. Yep. After ten days, your whole life's changed. Yep. So, he, Birch told ends up running a family fun center after this in this Jackson. A gosh dang delight. Yeah, so. If you think about someone who has kidnapped. An idyllic raped, place. Sexually assaulted. Married a minor. Yeah. Why wouldn't he open, open a children's place like center? a Fort Fun type place in Jackson? Because that guy's fun and safe. Sounds sounds like he it. He sounds terrific to be around children and families. Those are his favorite things. Children and families. Both. Correct. So he opens a family fun center in Jackson, and th- Jan's 13 now. Mm-hmm. And Jan wants to go work for him for a couple weeks. And Well, and up until this point, too, Jan had gotten... What, what, am I wrong in that she was, at this point, really moody? And really she was acting out a lot, and so yeah. B calls Jan's mom, because, again, they're still communicating with this person. Right, and I mean, it's it's very normal for a teenager to say, like, Mom, you're ruining my life. Oh, sure. This is, like, you, you're you making me miserable. For Jan, it was a little different. It's like, Mom, I you're have a going, mission to fulfill. You're going to cause the end of the world. Right. I can't tell you about yeah. it, but I am going to slam my door in your face. Right, Jan's getting exasperated. She's, she's anxious, got she's scared. a mission to accomplish, and her mom is blocking everything. The clock is ticking. Right. Yep. So she's getting pissed. Yep. And so B calls Marianne and says, Jan's threatening to hitchhike here if you don't just put her on a plane and send her. She's going to hitchhike and she could get killed by a crazy serial killer. So you should probably just send her. So Marianne... Being the smarty that she is, using all the common sense she's got in her brain, puts Jan on a plane mm. and sends her to Jackson without telling Bob. And Bob is Bob's infuriated. Now, now Marianne, Marianne's on the nice with Bob, right? Because she I mean, cheated on him. Yeah. She had sex with another man for eight months. She endangered her daughter by exposing her to that man for eight months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now she's put her daughter on she an airplane. She, like, bailed. Right. It's lived in Ogden for a while. Yeah, right. And now she's put her daughter on an airplane to go stay with that same guy at his family fun house for two weeks without asking Bob first. 
without asking, hey, honey, how do you feel about our 13-year-old traveling to Jackson Hole to work at a family fun center for two weeks with the man who kidnapped her and raped her? To her ex-husband. You know, yeah, no. I'm just going to send her off to her ex-husband. Yeah. I mean, annulled. Right, her ex-husband. Right. Her just ex-posa. easy, easy. Right. Make some summer money. Right. So, Bob's pissed. Yeah. Yeah, because any reasonable parent would be like, what the hell? Yes. Okay. And, I mean, the more I think about this and the more I watched it, my heart kind of went out to Bob a little bit. I feel like he had... Oh, yeah. I mean, I he felt... I mean, there was the clear. car thing. Yeah. Which still I can't wrap my mind around that. But everything else, I just feel like this guy was... He's, he's made some mistakes, but honestly, he... He when yeah. he talks about this, I think I saw him tear up like fifteen times oh, in yeah. the documentary. Oh yeah, he was distraught. Yeah, and and Marianne, Marianne is ish. less. Yeah, is less. So um, Marianne, I feel like is at peace. So Jan flies to Salt Lake, or no, Jan flies to Jackson, mm-hmm. and is there for a couple of weeks working. And I guess Bob's pissed, and decides that Jan has to come home. He wants Jan right. to come home. So Jan flies to Salt Lake, and then her mom picks her up in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. But then Jan disappears again. Now Jan's gone again. And Did she even make it home? I don't know. Well, it says her mom picked her up. Yeah. So I think how I remember this is, and I could be wrong, I think they went back to Idaho, and now Jan is mad. Now Jan's like, I have to go. I have to save the planet. Right. And so one day, in the dead of night, she, like, I feel like she ran away. She ran out her window. Yeah. Yep. She hopped out her she window. She hopped out her window. And she ran away. She ran away, and she called her family at one point right after she had ran away and told her dad that she wants to marry B, and that she's in love with B. Right. And all the while, B is distraught. He is calling Mary oh, yeah. and he's calling Bob and he's like, you better find this girl. Yeah, because B doesn't have her, he says. He's, right. He doesn't know where she is. And of course, we would just believe him. Oh, sure, because he tells the truth always. I mean, he's only kidnapped her once. Right. And you think he learned his lesson because he spent 10 days in jail. Right. After you do that, you know, you have some time to think about he's it. He's had a lot of time to reflect. Right. So, so he calls right. and he says, you gotta find this girl. Yeah. I love her. Right. What are you doing? Right. He's crying on the phone. And they have the conversations taped. And it's messed up. Because the FBI is involved. Right. And the FBI is having to track this kid down again. Yeah. Yeah. So the FBI is watching B. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, the FBI suspects that B is involved. In Jan's disappearance. Correct. Right. And so they watched him leave his house, and they followed him, and he he used a payphone across the street from his house. And so the FBI agents go to the payphone, and they call a phone number that's written on a phone book attached to the phone booth, because it had, like, the hanging phone book. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a Catholic school in Pasadena. California. Yeah. So and this is it just it just gets more fun. So basically (laughs) what happens is B had picked Jan up when Jan left in the night. 
Oh, let me tell it. It's my favorite. Okay, so go ahead. It's my favorite. Okay, so Jan. She leaves in the night. Very upset. Yes. Pops out the window. Guess who's there? It's B. Congratulations. Yeah. He helps her out the window, and they make a mad dash to California. To Pasadena. Pasadena, California, right. in which she is enrolled in counseling school. Right. Now, this is my favorite part, okay? I Have I said that 15 times? I don't. I think I, I think you did because you loved the part where Joe tells yes, his brothers the part. Yes, yes. This okay. is one of the there's favorites. Just, there's just some good stuff in this yeah. story. So he tells the sweet nuns at the Catholic school right. that he is a CIA agent. Yes. And he, so this was during some sort of, there was political unrest and turmoil in a foreign country, which is, well, I don't know. Do you remember? No. Okay. Globally stuff was happening. Yes, I remember this. Yeah, there was a revolution or something or there something was going on. I don't know. So he tells the nuns that he is a CIA agent, a CIA agent and he is traveling back from wherever in the globe that that stuff is going on. And that Jan is his daughter and he has to go back to being a CIA agent. Mm-hmm. But that they need to take good, good care of her because he's defending our country. Right. And if anyone comes asking for her, it is the enemy. Yeah. It is the enemy. Right. From this other country. Like, the FBI in our own country? Is that... Is that yes, it's the enemy. Right. It's all the enemy, none. <laughs> Are you listening? Right. And... So, so, yes. So they, they believe him. They believe him. And they take Jan in and get her enrolled in Catholic school. You are not adequately surprised enough by this. <laughs> I know you've seen it, but are you not astonished that the nuns are like, oh, cool. Oh, well, yeah, I'm astonished. Thank you, CIA agent. Yes. We will hide this girl for you. Right. We are it now, doesn't sound the least we bit are, fishy. We are now in league with you in protecting our nation. Yep. From the FBI. Right. <laughs> Which has been infiltrated by the enemy. This foreign power. By the enemy. Yeah. It's all the enemy. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, so... That's, that's the good stuff there. They bring Jan home again. The enemy finds The her. FBI <laughs> finds oh, yeah, Jan... Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> ...and brings her home, and so when she gets home... It talk the documentary talks about how then her father's flower shop yeah. burns down. Somebody yeah. it was arson. Yeah. And they think that I mean they were never able to put it back on B, but they think that there were two guys that were in jail with B who he basically he paid them off or he offered to pay them off to burn down the family business. Yeah. So um Bob gets called and he puts every all the girls in the car. They run down to the, store. to the store and they watch the whole thing burning down. Yeah. And this was really, really significant for Jan. And this is kind of when things took a turn because they were standing across the street from their entire life. This flower shop was their entire life. It was their livelihood. They built it from the ground up. It meant everything to them. Yeah. And especially her dad. She knew how much it meant to her dad. Mm-hmm. And although she was pretending like she didn't care about her dad and she hated him, that wasn't necessarily true. Right, right. She didn't want to feel that way. Right, right. So she remembers standing across, flames up in the air, 
and her dad, Bob, putting his arms around all the girls and saying, let it burn, let it burn to the ground, everything I care about is right here. Yeah. And that was everything. She got really emotional when she talked about that, too. Right. In the documentary. And it makes sense to me, because all this time, B was saying, they don't understand, they really don't care about you. If they do care about you, they would let you come marry me. They would let you come to Mexico. They would let you be my wife. They would let you work on my family fun ranch. Right. Whatever, right? right. So he has brainwashed her into thinking that he is not her real dad. He doesn't care about her. Right. And in this moment, his entire life is burning to the ground, and he says, I don't care. I got what I need, and it's you, Jim. And that was everything to her. Yeah. And it's emotional watching her... Talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah. And from that point on, things... She tried to go back to living her normal life, and things... She said that it was kind of like gathering pieces of information. Right. She went on and... Where is he at this point? Birchfold? Yeah. He's in jail. For Waiting what? for kidnapping Jan. Oh! He's in jail, and so... Right, 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 for, for the nuns. He's Got charged it. with the kidnapping, and he's found not guilty by reason of mental defect, and so he spends six months in a mental facility as a punishment. Okay. It's all coming back to me. So then right. he gets six out months. again. So now we're to six months and ten days. Makes sense. Yeah. For repeated sexual assault and double kidnapping... Right. Right. Okay, perfect. Blackmail. but Oh, blackmail. I mean, I don't know. And impersonating a CIA. And impersonating a CIA. Oh. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> anyway, so at this point, Jan is back in Idaho. She's going to school. She's being a teenager. She is uh, growing up. Mm-hmm. And she says that at this point, she, that Birchhold still is like writing her, but it dwindles. Mm-hmm. It gets less and less. And she attributes that to him losing interest. Because she was getting older. Yep. Because he likes 12-year-olds. A real woman. Right. Rather than a child. A child. Mm-hmm. And so she's just trying to live her normal life and and she's kind of getting back into things that matter to her. So one time, she goes to... Summer camp. Summer camp. Right. Mm-hmm. At BYU. She goes to a theater camp. Right. Yep. And so it's like five weeks. Mm-hmm. It's super long. Yeah, it's really long. And she's having fun. Yeah. And she meets this boy that she likes. Yep. And that is very difficult for her. And one yeah. time, I don't remember exactly what happened with the boy, but something happened and they got really close. He brought her ice cream. Is that all it was? Yeah, he gave her some, he, he took her for ice cream or he bought her ice He took her out for ice cream and he bought her some ice cream. They went on a date. all day. Okay. Yeah. So she comes back. She calls Marianne, and she says, I need to come home. She's distraught. This is code red. I have gotten close to another boy, another man. I've, I've broken it, broken the rules. Zeta's going to get me. Mm-hmm. What and what is going on? Like, yes. this is a code red. I need to come home immediately. Yeah. And Marianne is like, hmm, okay. Uh. Okay, small talk, small talk. The dogs are sick today. Right. I don't know. I must have fed them something weird. Right. I remember that. Yes. And so Jan, Jan loses freaks it. out. Yeah. Because that is Zeta and Zethra, and they got, they to, got the dogs. to the dogs. And she's like, this is it. So she's showing me the sign. Lost her mind. She has lost her mind. Yeah. She's panicked. Yep. And the very next morning, Marianne calls her and says, the dogs are better. 
Yeah. Stomach bugs. Must have just been a thing. It's no big deal. And fine. Jan remembers very specifically thinking for 0.3 seconds, huh, I wonder if it isn't real. Yeah. And then the very next second, just kidding, just kidding, I know it's real. Yeah. Just kidding. Because she's still really brainwashed. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. But the time is coming where she's getting closer and closer to 16. Yeah, which is the age that she has to have gotten pregnant. Otherwise, it's a Everything's, everybody's toast. Yep, that's right. So she goes home from the summer camp. The summer camp is over. And she gets closer and closer and closer to celebrating her 16th birthday. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes. Her mm-hmm. 16th birthday comes. Of course, she is a miserable mess. Yeah. And she just goes to bed that night knowing that she has failed. Yeah. And that this is it. Tomorrow is going to be a bad yep. day if it comes. Her sister is going to be gone. Her one sister is going to be blind. Her parents are going to be dead. Yeah. It's going to, it's. I mean, imagine that. And it's her fault. And, and it's, it's her, all her fault. It's her fault, yeah. Yeah. But she was very surprised to wake up and find everything was The normal. sun will rise again. Right. Right. And. In that moment, she said she knew that it must not have been true. It wasn't true. It wasn't true. Can you imagine coming to that realization? Yeah. No, I can't. And she came to it all of those years. She came to it, like, immediately upon waking up that day. Right, because it... Because that wasn't supposed to happen. Virtual was so specific. Yeah. When you hit 16, that is the deadline. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe that was his deadline. He would no longer be interested in Maybe. 16. Maybe. So she says that she feels like she needs to tell somebody what has gone on, but she didn't know how or what to say. Like, how does that conversation even start? Mm-hmm. And so she goes on living her normal life, and one, one night she's in their basement or something. I don't know. She's hanging out with her sister, who she's very close to, and who is not blind. No. Or abducted at this point. Right. And her best friend at the time. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of having a conversation, and she tells them. She just tells them the whole thing. Can you imagine... Like, being the sister? Being over at a sleepover. No. And then all of a sudden, the, the girl you're with... It discloses drops, drops like that tons of sexual abuse. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So her sister says, you need to tell mom and dad. Yeah. You need to tell them. And she did. Mm-hmm. And she goes on, I assume, after an intensive healing process. Uh-huh. She goes on, and she is now one of those people that we call survivor advocates. Right. She's written books, she's done guest speaking, and she talks all the time about sexual assault, about child abuse, yep. about stalking. Yeah. She she uses this to help people. Yeah. Her mom wrote a book. Yeah. Called Stolen Innocence. That's right. And her mom and her speak together. Yeah. A lot. Um, at universities and Which at conferences. And I things think like that. is very important. I think it's very brave of her mom. Yes. Because her mom has to, A, feel horrible about what happened. I mean, I, I would think she does, looking back, thinking how, how horrible. And B, 
her mom knows that she's getting roasted. Yeah. And so she's putting herself out there and trying to make a difference. And I think that's really brave of her mom. Yeah, which, I mean, you've heard how, what feedback she's getting from the world right now. Yeah, people are mind blown. Absolutely. I mean, we are. Yeah. And we're advocates. So how this kind of all ends for Jan, I mean, it's not over for her because she's still working really hard Mm -hmm. on behalf of the survivors. Right. But her mom writes this book and B is not happy. No. And he calls it a pack of lies. It's a pack of lies. The whole thing. It's the whole book. (laughs) It's none of it's true. It's, it's wrong. And so her mom and her would go around and speak at events. And at one point they were in St. George, Utah, Mm -hmm. speaking, and he showed up with a gun, like a crazy person. That's right. And so after that, they kind of had more protection. And yes. Yeah. So, So, okay. So at this thing, when he shows up with a gun, there's there's tight security because he's alive. And any survivor who's out speaking about her victimization and her perpetrator is out there, she's going to be careful, Right. right? He or she. And so security's tight and... Baca is right. at the event. Right, and ba- Baca, Baca is Bikers Against Child Abuse. And yeah. so for people who've ever been to, like, um, conferences where they, like, Crimes Against Children conferences and stuff, you'll see Baca advocates there. And they look really, like, they kind of look like the Hells Angels. Yeah. And they show up on Harleys, and they have, like, the vests on. They are dope. And they're there to support kids. They're, they're like, a no big, joke. tough person who's there to like be a protector for a child right and so, so Baca was there yeah yeah yeah. so she's speaking and Baca is out there with their like tattoos and their yeah. looking leather vests tough. and their motorcycles and Burchill rolls up in his minivan perfect van for him by the yeah. way and Baca's like there he is get him and so <laughs> they jump on his van <laughs> and they're like hanging off by the right. by the the wiper right and Burstall loses it. He has a gun. And he loses it and yeah. he runs them over right. with the car. Right. <laughs> so Which you would. He you know. he has a gun and so he ends up getting charged and found guilty of aggravated assault by possession of a firearm by a restricted person. Because he's not supposed to have a gun. Right. Because he's a felon. Right. Um and so he commit suicide because he was looking at going to jail again for another 10 days because he ran over a bicycle gang (laughs) with his uh van with his van with his motorhome (laughs) 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 so he took a whole bottle of heart medication and washed it down with Kahlua good and milk and that was in 2005 so um she, before that he had killed himself, and while this was all going on, and he was showing up to events like a crazy person, she had filed protection orders against yep. him and gotten them. Right. She'd been able to confront him in court during a protection order hearing and tell him what a piece of scum he is for what he yep. did to her. So I feel that Jan felt vindicated. I think so. Well, she's doing such good work. She's doing awesome work. She's an actress, um, and she's an advocate and an activist, and she has a child, I think at least one child, um... Maybe more. And so, I mean, it was a horrible thing she went through. Yeah. But she seems to have come out the other side and is really trying to protect other mm-hmm. kids and advocate for survivors, yeah. which is pretty cool. 
Yeah, she is. And it's she's great. a pretty cool lady. Yeah. So watch it again. Watch it for the first time. Whatever. Let us know if we missed anything. We could have, because it's been a week for me. And I am just... And you're tired. In full emotion over this, yeah, too. Yeah, so you're just not, now processing. I'm not even thinking clearly over it. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. So give us your feedback. Like, what did we miss? Are there things that that stood out to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And child abuse is a serious thing in any way, and child sexual abuse is... Super serious. It's super serious. And it, I think that this really does a good job of talking about just the amount of grooming that took place. Yeah. And that kids who are abused by someone, it's often usually a person that they know right. and trust, and they're groomed to believe that um, if they tell anybody, there's going to be extreme harm that will come to them or their family. Um, they're groomed to believe that the abuse is normal mm-hmm. and that they should like it, and yep. it's really sick and it's really sad. And it's it happens thing. a lot. It's very common. Yeah. So if that's something you're dealing with, with a child or or you have been through in the past you know reach out for support yeah for sure whether that's us or um through like dfs or mm-hmm. other other agencies and if that's something that you went through as a child and you're still dealing with it get some support with mental health counseling yeah, for sure. it's impossible to go through alone so no. um reach out whether to us or someone else yeah um our hotline number 745-3556 Area code 307. Right. If you're not from here. If you're not from but if you're not from here, call us anyway. Yeah. We can get we you can hooked connect up you. with whoever you need to be. Totally. You know, with. Yeah. Yeah. All well, right. hopefully we'll have a happier story. Do we tell happy stories on this podcast? Mm-mm. No. One day we will. And, and everyone will be, be surprised. Really surprised. But uh, probably not next week. No, probably not next week. Don't get your hopes up. No. <laughs> Bye. Bye.